Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and we're here today for the Friday conversation with some friends, and we'll go around the room and introduce everybody. Shauna, will you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work? Okay. Um, my name is Shauna Lawless. I am an author. Uh, my debut novel came out this year. Um, it's called The Children of Gods and Fighting Men, and it's a historical fantasy set in 10th century Ireland, um, and I've combined the history of the time um, with characters who have the magical powers, which is derived from Irish mythology. Um, so it's all kind of woven together. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm up to and what I've been doing recently. Nice. And Jord? Uh, I'm Jord or Jordan. I'm an avid reader, just kind of happy-go-lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> Reading will do that to you. Yeah, make you happy and happy go lucky. Yeah, Sean awesome, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Um, thank you for reading that. <laughs> and Chris? Yeah, well, I said George, you're my hero. Does that help? Um, <laughs> <laughs> my name's Chris. I'm a sometimes YouTuber. I even put out a video this week, which is, which is like big news. And uh, also doing a couple of streams with Steve. We're doing a weekly one on uh, House of Dragon, mm -hmm. which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes, loving that show. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you uh, are you watching Shauna and George House of the Dragon? Are you enjoyed it? It is currently on my watch list. Hmm. It's as far as it's made it. Yes. Um <laughs> I only can watch really one show at a time. Um I don't have enough time to kind of watch multiple shows. So when House of the Dragon came out and Rings of Power at the same time, it was a bit of a dilemma as to what to watch first. Um, and so I've watched I watched the first two episodes of each um, and House of Dragon just kind of hooked me in a bit quicker. Um, so Rings of Power, I'm very excited to watch it, um, but I think uh, it'll be a bit later. And actually, I think it'll be better that all the episodes are out and I can maybe binge that. Um, but yeah, so I have I'm up to date with House of the Dragon and I just, I love it. I didn't realise how much I missed kind of Game of Thrones and that world that um, had been created. And even though I wasn't a fan of season eight, um, <laughs> um, it's like a universal opinion. Um, but so I was, season eight annoyed me. And, but when House of the Dragon came up, um, I did, I find myself just getting slowly and surely sucked into the to the yeah. promo and then it really just i think it's been very good so far um i've enjoyed everything about it really um so yes i'm looking forward to to the next episode coming up yes. we promise ourselves every time we do a stream that we're not going to mention the fact that season eight was rubbish and we feel every time every time uh, Bailey Books and Sports says, Go Ireland. Oh, yeah. I know there's two Irish people on this week. Is that the, fir the first time? We are taking over. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, taking over. Uh, Bo Kelly asks, Did you, did any of, any of the four of you catch the new season two sneak peek of Wheel of Time? I have not. I didn't either. You? I didn't even see it. Yeah. No, I haven't even heard that that's mm -mm. about. Um, but I did really enjoy the first season of Wheel of Time. Hmm. Um, I had only ever read books one and two, and years ago, 
Um, so whenever it came out, I had a vague memory of what was going on and what happened, but I wasn't, um, like I didn't know everything. I couldn't remember all the details. And so I find maybe not knowing the details and what was changed maybe made me enjoy it more um, than some of the, the fan base. Um, and I, I also like kind of when you're looking behind the scenes, I know COVID played a kind of big part into right, some right. of the scenes having to be uh, changed at the last minute. So I'm quite excited for season uh, two of Wheel of Time. I think what they did with season one was good. And I think they'll really build on it. So um, I'm, yeah, it's, that's, that's a show that's on my, on my watch list. I really enjoyed it. Yes. I didn't see it yet, so. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely fall into the camp of, uh, I'm really glad they're making a Wheel of Time show alongside a Lord of the Rings show and a, and a Game of Thrones show. Again, it falls into that season eight thing of the last episode is absolutely tragically bad, but the rest of it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't finished that either, so yeah. I'm horrible at shows. Well, yeah. well, I'm quite obsessive about shows when I watch them. Like I was, well, I, I'd read all the Game of Thrones books and watched all the, the, the shows, obviously, and I was obsessive in my knowledge. You know, I knew everything and all the prophecies and what they all meant. Um, so actually, when I watched Wheel of Time, it was a bit refreshing to to not know, not be so clued in, um, which was the same for The Witcher as well, because I hadn't read The Witcher books. Um, but that's maybe then why I'm sort of enjoying House of the Dragon so much, because I did read Fire and Blood. So I'm sort of having that uh, kind of that experience again, where I sort of know what's coming up and what they've changed versus what was in the in the book. Mm. Nice. How are you finding that contrast between the kind of loose narrative that's in Fire and Blood, which I haven't read, by the way, um, and what they're doing in, in terms of filling in the gaps? I think they're being very clever with what they're doing um, because Fire and Blood is written like a history book um, and you have various perspectives. Um, and, you know, we know ourselves when we, we read history books, they're written from the perspectives of those individuals. And so I know some of the scenes that they have done, they've actually blended the two different perspectives together so that both perspectives have things that are right and wrong. Okay. Um, nice. And so I think that's been kind of a good thing about the show is and they have a lot of leeway, you know, that that's what's in the history books and they don't necessarily have to 100% stick to everything. Um, but they've been very clever so far in that they're sticking to it enough I think to please the kind of real hardcore fans, but they are changing enough to kind of make it more exciting because obviously a, a history book wouldn't be very interesting to to translate absolutely like word for word, page page for page. So I'm I'm very much enjoying it. Nice, nice. And uh, our friend Spectre is here. Hey, Spectre, uh, Library of a Viking is here. Great channel, really great editing, uh, great content. Yeah. Uh, yes. I enjoy the Will of Time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, great stuff. <laughs> I always, uh, I always watch his, his content. It's like, man, I'm I'm really terrible at this. <laughs> 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 so, his stuff is just so good. Uh, I enjoy the Wheel of Time show, but the more I think about it, the worse it gets. Hopefully, season two will be a major step up. I feel you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Really great. See what that maybe goes to to show for kind of is it? Are you having a better experience? just watching it as a show versus being a book fan and experiencing a translation. 
um, you know, and it's it's hard because um, I, I have lots of friends who uh, are really into Wheel of Time books and they didn't enjoy the show versus everyone I know who hadn't read the books really enjoyed the show. And so I wonder is, you know, what does that kind of say about how shows are being translated? Are they not doing enough to please the fan base? I think probably a lot of people would say maybe not, not quite enough. Yeah, I don't think you have to do that, but I think it goes to when you're reading as well. You know, people take different things from the books and the yeah. things that one person likes about the book, somebody doesn't like. So the things that I like, especially about uh, the world, is the power fantasy of Ran finding how omnipowerful he is, you know, how really, you know, person and, and I got none of that. So if that's what I took, one yeah. from the, I got from the first book and it wasn't in the TV series, then I'm going to not, well, I'm going to be looking for it and it's not there. You go, God damn it. I'm disappointed. But I can still appreciate the fact that we get a Wheel of Time show, which I just think is just like if you had told me ten years ago we had a Wheel of Time show, I'd have just jumped about the house. And I don't care if it's terrible. We have a Wheel of Time. Show. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also hard for them to like those are big books and to try to narrow it down and keep all those tropes things in line because like everybody's gonna have a different thing. Like I think it's impossible to please absolutely mm. everyone. So. I'm kind of with Chris. Like, I'm excited that they made the show. Is it perfect? No, but it's there. I can watch it, <laughs> and it's introduced a lot of people to the books that might enjoy that more too. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to reread books one and two, and then continue with the series because um, I read them when I was about seventeen and eighteen, and I book I bought book three when I was on holiday, and then left it at the holiday like hotel. <laughs> And then I never, then I moved, got home and picked up another book and kind of moved away from the series. And so I need to reread books one and two. And Can you imagine the person that gets to the hotel room after you and goes, oh, great, somebody left a book and then tries to start reading Wheel of Time book three? I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's an experience. And then they'll maybe walk away and go, that's why it was left. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it for the next one, too. <laughs> yeah. It's probably still in that same hotel room. <laughs> it was probably a door. This was a doorstop. It's that thick and chunky. It was meant to, to do something other than be read. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeremiah mentioned unreliable narrator for uh, Fire and Blood. I Fire think Blood. we we talk talk mm. about this on the on our meetups for the show, but I think that might that may have been done intentionally to make it a little bit easier to adapt, having it those gaps, uh, you know, to play with. Yeah, well, that's that's that there's like different perspectives, and you know, you're very much getting their perspective on the events. That doesn't mean it's it's true. Um, obviously, I had to do a lot of historical research for my books, and one of them is very heavily biased because it's written by the family of a certain person. Um, you know, and so you have when you're reading it, you have to you have to understand that you know it, it's not all this stuff definitely happened. This is one family's take where their side of the family are the good guys and the other family are the bad guys. And so that's that, that's the clever thing about Fire and Blood. You know, it's it's written with bias intentionally. Um, and that's that's accurate. That's more accurate than probably if George R. R. Martin had written something very factual and more like um, kind of a talking um, book where he kind of recounts all the lore, which is verbatim and canon but fire and blood's not like that and it is it, it, makes, it makes the adaptions more interesting and probably 
um, easier for the showrunners because they can deviate a little bit and not annoy people. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Gives them some leeway. Yeah, I think yeah, it does yeah. give them some leeway, the way it's been, been done. Yeah. For uh, sure. Bailey Books and Sports says, bought Shauna's book after the Stephen Arian interview. Uh, good to see an Irish mythology, mythology and fantasy should be a fun read. Um, how much Irish mythology did you include in your book? Um, well, it's, it's the foundation of the, the magical system, I suppose. Um, so whenever I talk to people about Irish mythology, lots of people think of Irish folklore, which is like leprechauns and fairies and Darby O'Gill and the little people. But that <laughs> came way, way after. <laughs> um, Kind of the mythology um so in our very earliest earliest mythologies um one of the first stories is about a battle um it's called the Se second battle of moitura and it's between the fomorians and the tuya de Danon. and so king baylor of the evil eye has fire magic and then the tuya de Danon have a range of magical powers and there is like a very ancient transcript which uh kind of writes out how the battle went and so I've used this as a basis of my two magical tribes that are in the book so one family is descended from the Fomorians and they have fire magic and then the other main character is descended from the Tuda Danon and she has one of the magical powers that's described um, kind of within the mythology so that's the kind of mythological side of it and then I've kind of placed those characters in the historical setting in the 10th century Ireland where kind of quite significant wars uh, take place and there's a lot of upheaval in Ireland at that time. Hmm. So that's sort of what I tried to do. <laughs> I will say I'm digging into Irish history after I read I have no idea what's going on. Like it's not something you really learn about but like I was like this isn't what I thought it was and so then I had to go back and look and it was really interesting and fascinating. Yes, it's a very, it is a very interesting and fascinating time. And I also, I think it surprises a lot of people because um, I think when you mostly speak to people about Irish history, they think of the Troubles or the Irish Famine. Um, but that's all fairly modern history. Um, actually, mm -hmm. if you go back to the 10th century, Ireland's quite a wealthy country. Um, it's sort of a, a player in the, the um, global Thing because the Vikings are using Ireland as a base. There's a lot of money coming into Dublin, especially. Um, so it's a kind of history that people maybe very vaguely know, but it's quite new as well, and it's maybe surprising. So I think there's, I had like a lot to work with, um, and I find it a lot of fun, actually, to use that period of history. It's not really taught here either, I've got to be honest. Like, it's not, although we have a, a UK kind of British school system, uh, where we are, but I, I don't even think it's taught uh, in the Republic either. Uh, history, aside from like Children of the Year, the Culhollen kind of legends that are there, those are the only things that are really taught or people talk about in any way. Yeah, yeah, I think um, certainly more could be, be done. You know, we've never had any adaptations of Cahillan mm -hmm. um, or the Cattle Raid of Cooley, like all these big Irish epics. Um, you know, but we've had lots of versions of the Odyssey and the Iliad. Um, so I think a kind of some dramatizations of Irish mythology would be really useful um, and kind of bring it to a wider audience as well. 
It's cool. Like, I didn't realize how like how many battles were actually. Oh, that is loads. <laughs> I had I, pick, I had lots of battles to pick from, um, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, so no, it's um, it's it's been it's been great actually, and people have been res uh, kind of responding to it very well because I think it's they're interested in the period of history and didn't know about it, which is nice. Mm. Um, Bo says, "Open the bedside drawer and find a wheel of time instead of the Bible." Stamped by Shauna. That's yeah. my hotel. <laughs> That's where I was. <laughs> and uh, Library of the Viking says, uh, "I'm quite forgiving when it comes to adaptations. I'm not hating on it, though. Fingers crossed, season two will be incredible." Also, just received received Shauna's book this week. Oh, awesome! Excellent. Nice. Yeah. I actually um, met Ivory of a Viking at FantasyCon in London a couple of weeks ago, um, which was lots of lots of fun. Um, there was lots of authors there and um, lots of late night drinking in the bar, um, <laughs> which is wonderful because I'm a bit of a hermit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, I don't. Well, I, I do go out occasionally, but not very much. So it was quite nice to kind of. Get a, get away for a weekend and speak to lots of other fantasy fans. Yeah, some great photos came from that. Everybody comparing everybody else's height. You know, difference from uh, face shots to actually people standing <laughs> next to each other. I know. I know. I, I really. Saw, I... So, yeah. <laughs> and I'm standing beside always the tall people. So I've got <laughs> Stephen Aaron on the other side, and they're both like six foot something, and I'm five foot one. So. Oh. <laughs> 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 Frank Cahill is massive. I had no idea he was so tall. Yeah, he's really tall. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of conferences, I think Chris, you had mentioned you met Shauna, right, at a conference? Yeah, yeah, I went to the book launch. That was that was, uh, that was awesome. Actually, I have to say, it was, I I was speaking to my fellow year. My wife came with me, and actually, two kids with me as well, because we kind of went into town and then went there for that going on. We got to hear Shauna do a reading. She got the Q and A done, and. Um, it was lovely to see, it was in a very Irish way. It was obviously there, a lot of your family there, Shona, who were yeah. incredibly proud. <laughs> so they were like clutching the copies of your book, going, this is our Shona, <laughs> which, was, which was really, really nice. Really like warm atmosphere about it. So uh, yeah, my wife got her copy and she's read it. She finished last week. Oh, brilliant. And, uh, she loved it as well. I knew she would though. It was very much up her street. I knew it was. Nice. Yeah, we don't even get her hardcover book until like November. That's a month away. I know, I know. They had to uh, kind of split up the the dates. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's the 29th for Australia. Um, so Australia's even later. Um, although the the ebook is available everywhere, and hopefully the audiobook is coming out in November as well. Ooh. Mm. So, That's cool. Very nice. Yes, um, Aoife McMahon is narrating the audiobook. Um, so she does lots of Sally Rooney's books and like Cecilia Hearn. Um, so she's Irish and she has like a very, like, very nice Irish accent. So I'm actually really looking forward to hearing somebody read my book to me. Um, I wonder if it'll be weird or not. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping it'll be a nice experience, <laughs> but it might, <laughs> it might gross me out. I don't know. But you, um, you weren't tempted to do it yourself, Sean, or no? Not the <laughs> Lady with them one. No, because you know why? Because I think I could do 
like the females speaking yes. usually when you're listening to an audiobook and then a man has to speak and the actress then has to do like a man's voice i just <laughs> i don't think i could do that <laughs> i talked about that in the last the last video we did about one of those ones where a male's doing a female yeah. and i kind of I said it in the video but i heard you know john cleese out of life of brand when the, the other women are stoning <laughs> 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 Well, characters, and it just it just sounded to me like that's starting to couldn't on hear it after that. Oh, so no. those those chapters were ruined for me. Like the audiobook is terrific for that book, like really, really terrific. But literally just for that chapter, it was like, oh no. Was <laughs> it uh, Hellborn King? It was Hellborn King, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Madeline's chapters in uh, in Hellborn King. And it's such a terrific audiobook. I really enjoyed the, the audiobook, but it was just those chapters. Once I yeah. once I heard it, I couldn't unhear it. He was very high pitched on that one. It was. <laughs> it made Madeline identifiable. Like if nothing else, it was it definitely uh, give her a way to, to know. Oh, this is whose chapter it is. I mean, even if you missed the start, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, yeah. So that was my fear: is that um, I wouldn't be able to to do the narration justice. Um, so yes, I thought I would defer to an actress who has done books before and sort of knows what she's at. Makes sense. It's a lot of reading, yeah. Uh, Spectre says, as a long time uh, Robert E. Howard Conan fan, I'm used to the TVs and movies not being faithful to the books, hmm. as long as it's entertaining enough to make me want to read the books. Yeah. I think that's the game, isn't it? You're really, by doing an adaptation, especially I would imagine as an author, author if somebody approached you and said, We're going to do an adaptation, even on a small scale of your book, Shauna, you know, what you're hoping is that people will be more engaged with the work as a whole rather than just the first thing that they see. Yeah, well, that's why I suppose getting the ad the adaptation right is so important. Um, and I think TV has spoiled us because we've had adaptations that are better than they used to be. I think movies, um, just because of the time limits, um, we got used to very kind of heavily edited stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, like The Count of Monte Cristo was one of my favorite books of all time. And even though the movie is kind of very nice and has Richard Harris and like some really good acting, you know, it's butchered because you can't possibly fit a book that size into like a two, two and a half hour movie. Um, whereas, you know, we've had Game of Thrones, which was really good. We can talk about season eight. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> this, this episode for you. I think um, Steve needs like a chocolate. Marking how many times season eight's brought up in the background. Oh, it should be a drinking <laughs> game. That should. <laughs> yeah, it should um, be a drinking game. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, I brought that up again. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've had Game of Thrones. We've had The Last Kingdom, which I thought was a brilliant um, adaptation of the Bernard Cornwell series. Um, so, but you have so much time. You know, you have eight hours, 10 hours to. To do a book yeah. as opposed to two hours. Um, I agree. Yeah, but I'm I'm because I I read a lot of books and lots of my book favorite books have been adapted and I'm I was very used to books and movies not working for me. Um, there's like lots of films I've seen that I was very disappointed with. So um, yeah, I think that's that's always been an issue for me. Sort of something I'm used to, which is why Game of Thrones, when it came out, it was like, oh, you know, they've done this. 
right and it you know i'm kind of getting all the same beats that i got in the book um which i was used to not getting uh, Jeremiah asked, uh, did you read Bernard, Bernard Corn Cornwell's novels of that period, The Last Kingdom series? Yes, I have. I've read them. Um, apart from Warlord, which is the last book in the series, and I've been putting it off because I don't want the series to end. Um, I've I've loved it so much. Like I, I've been reading it from, I think, book three was released. Um, and so I kind of was that person that bought the book every other year it came out or every year. And so I really, really have enjoyed that that series. Um, and it tread is like one of my favorite characters. And just as a funny aside, there's one chapter in my book where one of my characters is in Northumbria, which is factually correct. Um, they were there. And Uhtred, the bold, is in Northumbria. So he's in my book. So we have an Uhtred in my book. Hmm. I kind of managed to get him in. <laughs> Needle drop. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you know, I, I love that series. It's very, very good. And um, because I think it's actually good as having a kind of counterpoint to my book as well, because I think lots of people know that period of English history where um, kind of the, the English are fighting the Vikings and it's a religious war. There's a lot of uh, religious conflict between the two peoples. Whereas in Ireland, uh, religion isn't really the issue. And so that's a kind of a, a twist as well. It's um, the Irish are infighting is the issue and the Vikings end up getting kind of caught up in infighting. Yeah, I know the last kingdom I need to catch up on. I watched like two episodes and I made it past. You're probably the same as shows that you need to <laughs> <laughs> You're probably but, the same as me, though, Jordan. Nina and Marlon's uh, obsessive use of the Trid GIF uh, oh. is putting me off that uh, off that uh, show entirely. Yeah. <laughs> like anytime, anytime you mention something, it's like all of a sudden they're yeah. out of water. He's, like, he's ascending out of a barrel of water, <laughs> you know, topless. <laughs> I think it's every other day it's on there. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. <laughs> And uh, Bo but, said, uh, Jordan, you should have bought the beautiful Broken Binding Edition. I know. It was one of those, can I get three books or do I buy one book and pay for shipping? I got that one. It is every bit as beautiful as it, as it looks. It's yeah. so pretty. Yeah. That was yeah. such a shock to get. I couldn't believe um, I got a special edition. So um, I was just so delighted. And it is, it is, I love the sprayed edges. and it's just, yeah, I love it so much. Yeah, I should have. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well, shipping. I know it's 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 a lot to kind of get yeah. it over. They're not cheap. They're definitely not. No, books and they're expensive. Yeah, and I bought four other books at the same time. So <laughs> I know Broken Binding has just so many nice books, and yeah, there's just there's too many good books coming out. There's too much competition. Everyone else just needs to stop writing. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me go. <laughs> here, just pause for a minute. Uh, yeah. Case Hidden Shelf is here. Uh, just stopping by in to say hello and have a great chat. Hey, Kayla. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Sure, Jeremiah. And uh, Jeremiah did uh, pick up the book, so that's good news. Excellent. Nice. Yeah. 
know, it's it's been it's been great because um, I've been writing for so long. Um, and uh, the Children of Gods and Fighting Men isn't my first book, um, so kind of I had a book before that that I sent out to agents and got rejected. So it's been very odd, kind of having the experience where you get an agent and a publisher and the book comes out and everything's gone well. So I'm sort of still pinch pinching myself a wee bit. <laughs> That's cool. But Our friend uh, Epic be. Tales is here too. Hey. Hey, Epic. <laughs> and uh, tell that to Sanderson to slow down. I know. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> He just, he's writing way too much. I just can't cope with like all his secret projects and <laughs> yeah. um, lockdown novels that he came up with. Um, but no, um, I like, I love Brandon Sanderson. Um, I've watched all of his uh, lectures that he's put on oh, YouTube. Yeah. They're brilliant. Um, if anybody here, because um, you know, it's, it's expensive to do lots of writing courses. Um, they can be hundreds and hundreds of pounds and I will say now that his YouTube lectures are really, really good. You know, hmm. do listen to them instead of paying for an expensive course. Yeah. They um, are good. I've, I've watched those as well. Like I don't even write, but yeah, it was just yeah. cool to see. Like it was just cool to see like his approach to to the creative writing thing and like the advice he gives, and then take it and kind of when you're reading and you're like, oh, that's how that comes into play, and you see it more in his books and stuff. Yeah, made it yeah. made it really interesting. Yeah, no, he he definitely sort of knows the craft behind the writing, which is very interesting. And also, like, it's very good that he put that up for free. Um, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of like I kind of very much appreciated that because um, so much other stuff to do with writing can be expensive. Um, and so having someone like that who's at the top of their game giving out lectures and advice for free, um is very much appreciated um, and I know lots of people who have listened to his lectures and taken a lot out of it and I like I, I definitely followed some of his advice um, when I was trying to find an agent so hmm. it works definitely works. That's great how open he has been about the struggles that he had to get published as well you know the very long period and the long lead-in that he had to actually getting Atlantis released and, and out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was like his 10th like book and he was like sitting by himself in the bookstore when it came out. And that's how I actually picked up my first Anderson book. Really? Did you meet him? Oh yeah. I've met him three times now. Oh, because nice. he's two hours, like Idaho is really close to Utah. So it's like a two hour drive away to go. Oh, nice. I would love so, to meet him. Um, I think he would just be so interesting to speak yeah. to. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. But that's how I stumbled onto Sanderson as I went into the book bookstore, same college, and he was sitting there like, "Hey, want to give this one a try?" So I was like, "Sure, why not?" Oh, that's wow. so you, you're like number one Sanderson fan. You were there from the very beginning. I was. Yep. Yeah. Is that the Stormlight hardcovers behind you as well, there, Jordan? Is it? It is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It has the leather bound and all the hardcovers. All right. Okay. And then he has a second. <laughs> His paperbacks are on the shelf out of camera shop. <laughs> so, yeah, they're all signed too. So it's pretty cool. Wow. Nice. Oh, very nice. nice. Very nice. 
Good to have some friends. Uh, be able to book some sport. <laughs> Hopefully, I visit Ireland. I'd love to visit Ireland now that yeah. things are calming down. That'd be great. Yeah. Steve Ireland's is a legend, lovely. by the way. I am not a legend of anything. Just You are a legend. <laughs> yeah. The only thing is that legends are usually dead. <laughs> <laughs> Living legend. Living legend. Yeah, yeah. No, there we go. <laughs> Uh, and Jeremiah had a question. Was there anything surprising Shauna learned about Irish his about Irish history when researching for her book? Uh, or what kind of research did you do? Mm, well, it was a period of history I, I already knew a lot about. Um, you know, I would read nonfiction history books um, about Ireland. Um, but yes, when you're, you're researching for a novel, you kind of want more detail and more information. So... Um, I think probably learning about Dublin was the most interesting and kind of learning what an economic force it was becoming and how that impacted Ireland. Because I know sometimes when we read historical fiction um, and you're reading about the kind of famous wars that have happened or about say Tudor England, a lot of the conflict in historical fiction comes from romance. So, uh, kind of like Helen of Troy and Paris or Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII. But actually, whenever you do a lot of research, economics um, comes into play far more often than you would think. And it's very boring and dry. Mm -hmm. And that's why probably they're not what we talk about when we talk about history. Um, but whenever I'm looking at Irish history in this period, there is no doubt that the changing economic shift in Ireland is like a huge factor in why it was such a, a time of kind of war and conflict because the power, um, the power of the various Irish royal families completely changed and it changed really quickly. Um, so that kind of, I find quite interesting, even though that maybe sounds really dry and boring. Um, you know, you're talking about trade and wealth. Um, but I think that enabled me to flesh out why the wars happened in a more realistic way. Um, and I find that interesting. I also find, um, again, this also sounds really dry and boring, the Irish legal system really interesting um, because it is very um, detailed um, and they, there's loads of examples of the different laws and why they would be applied. Um, and so there's one scene in my book where there's a trial and a girl has, maybe it's a spoiler, but something has happened to her her. And that is like from the Irish legal system, the, the Breton laws at the mm. time. Um, and so I find like little details like that quite interesting. And then you put it into a book and then it's something different. It's like maybe not something anyone would have heard of. Hmm. It was really cool. Steve's going to be reading this book soon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> ready, I have it ready to go on my Kindle and ready to, it's on its way, I think, too. So. Yes. It's nice because nice it gives it another. Another scene apart from the battles and another scene apart from, you know, the things that, that happen that you expect to be happening around kind of wartime, uh, the lances, and then you had that trial and what happened, uh, that character and the resolution of that. But that, that whole period was good. I, I think that actually really helped uh, because it's kind of light fantasy up that point, but it kind of sets up, you know, she gets put off to the island, etc. Uh, sets up that there's kind of more play here than, than just everyday life, so to speak. Yeah, you also yeah. get a wee, a wee insight into what happens when Gormla has a bit of power for the day and yeah. <laughs> she decides to, to do with it. 
Um, but yes, and but the reason why I did that scene with the her is, um, well, do you guys ever read those posts and it's like, am I the asshole posts? <laughs> they come up on Reddit every so often and somebody puts like something that they've done and they're like, am I the bad guy or is it the other yeah. person? Yeah. Okay. So years and years ago, like this was before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Facebook and some woman had posted up that her daughter, who was about 13, had died of her hair. So uh, she took the 13 year old to the hairdressers to get highlights or blonde or something. And her husband, who she was separated from, picked up the daughter and then the next day the daughter came home and the father had chopped off her hair because he was so incensed that his 13 year old daughter had had highlights and had changed the color of her hair and so the daughter came home crying the wife had said that the husband wasn't allowed to see the daughter anymore because the daughter was so traumatized and then he she was saying well like everyone's saying i'm not allowed to do that and i'm the bad guy but i don't think i am so I remember that that story really stuck with me. I think because I have long hair, and I think <laughs> if I ever cut off my hair, I would be like really angry, really traumatized. Um, and so whenever I read that passage about it was a real crime in Ireland to cut someone's hair, it was like very serious. Um, it just sort of all kind of came to me, and it's like that feels like really interesting way to talk about like violence to women. Um, but without it being sort of like rape or something really serious. Um, because I think a lot of books, when they're talking about violence to women, always, not always concentrate on that, but they look at the very, very extreme end of it. But for me, violence towards women always starts with something a bit less obvious. And then you kind of get down to that. And so I thought it would be quite interesting to have a scene where we'd had kind of something done to a woman against her will, but that wasn't that wasn't rape, it was something else that also was a complete violation of what she wanted to have done to her own body. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I think kind of, I don't know, I've kind of gone off on a tangent here. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what I was originally talking about, but it was, I don't know, sorry. Somebody tell me what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was the re that was the research in India okay. <laughs> uh, that you went, but it also included a Facebook post. I, I think that's a great lecture, to be honest. I can just add uh, Brandon's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's all sources of information, all inspiration. I think that's cool. I know, yeah. I know. but that's uh, yeah. You you go down crazy wormholes when you you research. <laughs> and uh, Jeremiah says, "Oh wow, am am I the asshole with historical figures? Would be brilliant. It's a great idea." <laughs> Oh, well, I tell you that. So and uh, I can't remember oh, what blog it was now, but somebody asked me to do Gormla as an agony aunt. And so oh, Gormla was given like 13 real life problems and I answered them from her point of view. And I thought it was really funny, but it didn't really get much um, feedback. <laughs> but I really, I think I'm going to post it again because I think more people need to see it. Yeah. She was giving, I think, some good advice, but some really bad advice as well but she would be thinking everyone was the asshole and not her so <laughs> i can agree with that yeah gorm yeah, is a really cracking character because she's at the outset you think she's the bad person the bad guy yeah, i think i talked about this a little bit in review uh, but not really you know just 
a powerful, intelligent female character living in a patriarchal society, you know, and, and trying to find her way about how she maneuvers her way through that. I, I, she's such a fascinating character. Yes. Do you know, see, in history, she is um, not dealt with very kindly um, from the kind of two main sources that we have at the time that talk yeah. about her. Um, and so initially, when I thought about using her as a main character, I thought, should I make her more sympathetic? Mm. And, you know, because lots of women are kind of not treated very well in history, um, you know, like your ambulance and uh, well, there's Joan of Arcs and all, all these historical women kind of um, have not been spoken about very well. And it's interesting then to flip it and say, well, from their perspectives, this is actually kind of what would have happened. But with Gormala, um, I just thought, no, I'm going to make her worse. I'm going to make her worse than the historical documents. Because really, um, she gets blamed uh, for being too ambitious. And I just thought, well, why is that bad? Because ambition for the male characters of the time is seen as good. Yeah, um, you've got all these kings and they want to be kings of more land. And that's all positive. That's kind of vetted by the historians so is it just because she's a woman that this is a bad quality or is it really what she does that's what makes her bad so I thought that would be interesting to explore as to is it her actions or is it historical perspective makes sense mm -hmm. yeah it does you've read it though Jordan haven't you yeah yeah I've read it yeah it was really cool <laughs> Now I read it for part of that tour. Ah, uh, um, yeah, yeah. That was so. that was loads of fun. Um, definitely. Uh, I know I have like a lot of self-published friends who who do tours as well, and they really really help. Kind of just in your release week to to get a bit of a buzz and get social media um, talking about your book. Um, so yeah, I I really enjoyed the blog tour. So thank you for taking part in that. <laughs> Of course, I do a lot of tours, especially for the self-published books and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've done a couple of blog tours too. They're always lots of fun. I do have a question about the tours, though. Um, but first, uh, I Anonymous has a has a comment. Uh, that's always a fun thing about writing historical fantasy. You read about the figures and go where they <laughs> were they possibly worse, or were they not so bad? Yes. I know um, I Anonymous. He has mm -hmm. written a historical fantasy series. Um, called Gersel and mm -hmm. Battle Hill. Yeah, so um, they're, they're lots of fun. They are set in like the 5th century, I think, 6th century. Uh, it's like the fall of the Roman Empire and Arthurian England, but then also some amazing characters from Libya. Um, and I, yeah, so I've spoken to him before and yeah, he's, he's having a lot of fun with his mm -hmm. historical characters as well. Yeah, nice. it's really good, really good reviews. I've, I've, several of them have been positive that I've seen, so. Yes. It's, it's on the list, <laughs> <It's on> the <laughs> list. Yeah. but I did have a question about tours because I don't really know a whole lot about them. So, uh, Jordan, as a reader, how did tours work for you for a reader reviewer? Yeah. Um, so it's like, especially I focus more like on the independently published, like the indie published or self published. And like, it's really hard to, for them to get like other people besides like family members and things to see it. Um, and tours finds like dedicated people like me, like allowed to sign up and you kind of get a book for free to read and then you hype it up and talk about it. And like, yeah, not every book talks like 
is perfect for you, but you can still hype it up and find the good things, which there's enough people that bash books and I'm, I kind of take the opposite. Like I will always try to find the good parts out of a book, but it's just a way to like, as a reader, it's a way to find new books, like get interested in them and then be able to talk about books in a way that, and get other people excited, like friends and things like that. And then interacting with the authors in different ways too. Like it's, it's been a really cool because like the authors are always so thankful. Like when you do it, like I feel like I do nothing except for like, Hey, I read a book, go read it. And they, <laughs> but like, they're always like, thank you for doing that. You've like, it wouldn't be as successful without it. And so then you're like, well, I want to keep doing that, <laughs> but I'd love to read. And it's just, just fun. And good way to get good books and talk about them and interact in a different, in this wonderful community. Yeah. You know, see whenever you start writing, um, I, well, I wanted to get some feedback and I joined a website called Critique Circle. And at the start, I put a chapter up and I was like, oh, you know, what if someone steals my chapter and it gets plagiarized? And you very quickly realize like nobody wants to read your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think people find that like, you know, when you write a book and you put it out there, it's it's not um, kind of people stealing your ideas. It's actually finding people who will commit the time to reading your book instead of, you know, instead of the next Brandon Sanderson or the next bestseller. Um, and I think that's something uh, that self-publishing especially has struggled with just because they don't have um, the marketing that the, the big publishers have. And so the book tours, um, I think, have made a huge difference hmm. um, because self-publishing books, self-published books, like some of them are brilliant. Um, yes. Some of them are, you know, should be published or, you know, every bit as good as published books. And um, for the ones that are really good, you know, they, they haven't found a publisher just because the genre or the theme, you know, isn't in or yes. it's long or you know, there's something that a publisher thinks that they would find hard to market, but that doesn't mean that that book doesn't deserve an audience or shouldn't exist. Um, and, you know, that's why some of the kind of really good self-published books have ended up kind of finding traditional publishing days. Um, I think we're seeing that like a lot at the minute. Um, what's the book by Travis? Um, uh, Letters and Letters. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's, that was like a huge, like self publishing success and you know i can just imagine like an agent thinking oh you know like slice of life fantasy doesn't sell at the minute but you know it did sell because yeah, people don't always want to read the same thing but kind of traditional publishing sometimes is a little bit behind the curve they want to sell things that are more guaranteed they don't like to take risks just so much so i yeah. think if you read a good self-published book you know you're getting something that um quite often is actually more different and um, is pushing kind of boundaries even more. And that's great. Like I, I've read some great self-published books this year. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of them. Yeah. The comment that's on the screen is one of them. Mm -hmm. Thrice by Andrew D. Meredith. Highly recommended. Oh, I, I guess <laughs> a part of that. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there, there is and um, like kind of the, the quality of the artwork and everything you know you can't actually oh, yeah. i can't tell anymore what is um what's trad or or self-published anymore 
Um, so yeah, you know, it's definitely it's definitely a, a kind of a market and fantasy that's expanding, and there's some great quality coming out of there. It's it's interesting actually how it works because a bit like I think other forms of media, say games, movies, etc. The the hype has to be immediate and it only hits and it only lasts for so long. But books seems to work a bit different. Like I, I mm-hmm. can talk about Anonymous's girls on like Kayla did a review of that months and months ago. And that's in my head. The Kayla did a review a positive review of that a while ago. And it's like right, that's that's in my consciousness now for the next 18 months, rather than you know, having to be read then or there. I'll I'll get to it. And that you kind of have these little mini lists in your head going about that one and that one and that one and that one. <laughs> And uh, you know they're they're all in the list somewhere, and like I just think it's bizarre how we all have these TBRs going. Yeah, I'm thinking I might squeeze that in about July 2023 in my current plan. That's where I am, you know. And you go right, okay. Anybody's nodding their head, going, "Yeah, that makes sense." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. My my TBR list is very long. I can only read about two books a month. Um, I am at the kind of, um, and even in. Uh, August, I didn't read anything because I was so anxious about the book launch. I just <laughs> found myself completely unable to read anything. Um, although I'm back back reading now. Um, but yeah, TBR lists are endless. But yes, I think word of mouth is very important with books. Um, you know, I think with TV and movies, you know, it's like instant transmission into your eyeballs. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can make up your mind in five minutes if you like it or not. Um, whereas with books, we can't do that. We kind of need to commit at least a while to know if, if the book is working. Um, so it's a bigger ask in terms of time, which is why, which is why uh, word of mouth is so important, like getting those positive recommendations from people that you know and respect their opinions. Hmm. Uh, I anonymous said, agreed, and I went, went and pounded the pavement and just started finding booktubers I enjoyed. Hard work, but it paid off. I found a lot of good people and good groups uh, doing that. Shauna being one. Yeah, no, there's definitely a good online community. Um, it's really funny because I was never on any social media at all, apart from Facebook, which is where I was reading all these. Stop my the asshole posts, yeah. Shauna's comments. <laughs> Um, apart from that, I, I wasn't on any social media until about two years ago. Um, and so now I've kind of found it and really enjoy it. I really enjoy Discord and Twitter, um, especially, um, and talking to people. Um, it's lovely to talk about books to other people because, like, I don't have many kind of friends that read fantasy. So you kind of you read a book and you're like, oh, this book was amazing. And then you have no one to, to tell that to. So... I think social media has been very good for for books and for writers that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Jonathan had a comment. The culture is certainly changing when it comes to uh, how people ch- seek out entertainment, which is great for indie artists, but it requires individuals to be more engaged. So that's part of the, that social media presence too. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the same for trad now too. Um, I think for debut authors, especially like new new authors, I think you have to interact. And I think you have to be willing to push yourself a little bit. Um, Head of Zeus were brilliant. They're my publisher and they're a brilliant publisher. They have loads of really cool fantasy and sci-fi writers. Um, 
you know, and whenever my book was released, I had loads of promotion and I was doing guest blogs and had book tours and all of that. But, you know, of course, two, three weeks later, there's their next fantasy books coming out. And so, you know, the, the, the PR team have to move on to the next person and they need to have their shot and their time. Um, and so then you ha you're left in it. Well, what, what do I do now? How can I help myself? And I think you have to be proactive and certainly just talking and being available and be willing to chat. You know, you don't have to do lots more than that. I think that's that's enough. Um, and I think people value that. I think kind of that you talk to them and kind of are happy to engage. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Yeah, I, I, I'm really fascinated by the whole reading a book of somebody whose personality you sort of know, because you can see the link in a lot of cases. Like, I mm -hmm. think of something like Legend of Blackjack with Andy. Like, I, you can't help but see Andy with him in the pages of that book when you read it. Oh, really? You know, oh, no, do you think I'm like Gormla? <laughs> no, I, I don't mean that. Like, but there's there's like a lightness. There's like a lightness that matches his personality on the page. If you know what I mean, uh, it's more like the 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 theme of it, uh, more than that uh, being a specific character. And I think it's just you know you, you do you do match the author with the book, especially when the author's been quite visible. Yeah, especially with the humor in Legend of Blackjack, the humor is where you definitely see yeah. ARs like personality shine through and all of it yeah. but and if you listen to the audiobook it it's even stronger because <laughs> he narrates <laughs> it himself oh, wow. so he he yeah it's really cool he did it, it he like rented out a garage at a like car dealership car dealership yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. like there for their commercials he rented it out like one day a week for several weeks and did it all himself but you listen he does a fantastic job narrating it um, he narrated it himself. Yep, yeah, he did. Okay. But you can hear his personality come through a lot more in that narration and those humorous spots because he puts the inflection like where he wanted it to be when he wrote it. Wow. So okay. it was kind of an interesting take. It was the first time I'd heard an author narrate their own book and seeing where they put the emphasis and the emotions in it because that's a very emotional book. Yeah. And so it was really interesting to see his take on his own writing, like in the vocal form, if that makes sense. Yes, no, that is interesting. Another author I know who narrated his own book uh, was Christopher Billman, or Billman, mm -hmm. um, who wrote The Black Tongue Faith. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hilarious, the book is really funny, but like a lot of dark humor. Um, yeah. And he did, he did an Irish accent for it. So um, it was, <laughs> it was very good. Just if anybody likes to to listen to audiobooks, let the the authors narrate. Yeah, yeah. Andrew. Nice accent. Wow, that almost <laughs> never happens. <laughs> yeah. Not Andrew. a Irish accent. He, no, I think no. he, he went for Galway. He said actually the character was meant to be Northern Irish, but he didn't think he'd get away with the accent, which you know it's a it's a hard accent to yeah. to pull off. Brad Pitt will tell you that. <laughs> Andrew Meredith narrates his own audiobooks too, oh, wow. and and always releases them at this same time. So he like tries to have a release of the audio and the ebook and everything all at the same time, so everybody can enjoy it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Jeff Lane uh, narrated his books too, and I think it's great when they when yeah. an author can. It, it's a big time investment though; it takes a lot of time. Yeah. It's tough. 
to answer Jeremiah's, Jeremiah's question, yes, uh, this uh, Hellburn King is self-published. Yeah. And the Wrathbringer just came out, too. Yeah, that's true. The sequel. Is that Christopher's? I really enjoyed um, their conversation a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're very, he, him and John, were very <laughs> funny. Um, the yeah. animal murder. That will always live in my memory. Like all of... <laughs> I know, I know. You know, because um, I know Mark Lawrence, and I know he gets a lot of um, stick for killing the dog, which is in, uh, it's in the Broken Empire series. Um, yeah, so so killing animals seems to be kind of the the sore spot for for lots of readers. Yeah, I'm up. I think I'm reading. Hopefully, end of the next. So, yeah. Broken it... Empire is one of my my favorite series. Um, it's very dark. You know, I think you have to say that kind of upfront, and it's not for everybody. Um, but I really just love that as a, as a series and an exploration of redemption and if it's possible or not um and the prose is is wonderful i'm a, a big big mark lawrence fan um he's probably the author i would have read the most books of Interesting. Yeah, i know you're part of exclusive group that his patreon discord group yeah yeah it's very good um but he's loads of levels um so i'm on the low level <laughs> <laughs> Because um, I, I know money, um, but I got into the, got into the Discord group. Um, but he does higher levels where he will critique um, your chapters. Oh, yes, so if know, you're yeah. a, a budding writer um, and you want some professional feedback, um, and I know like lots of the guys are kind of have that level, um, and he reads their stuff and they they think he's brilliant. So, yeah. But. Uh, Jonathan said it's a really bittersweet aspect of artistic freedom. On one hand, it dismantles the mainstream gate, the mainstream gatekeeping uh, of older years, but you also have to become savvy when it comes to marketing yourself. Yeah, yeah I would say so. Um, you know, there's a lot more competition, I suppose. Um, you know, it's not just the traditionally published books that are coming out. It's all the, the indie stuff coming out because, you know, they really up their game. The quality is there. The books look like professional books, some mm -hmm. of them look better. Um, so yeah, you know, but I think I think the kind of the reduction in the gatekeeping was a good thing. Um, I think it's allowed fantasy to push on. I think it's allowed um, some own voice work to come in, um, other kind of cultures and um, points of views to to kind of be explored. And I think it's shown trad that people like this. You know, we don't want kind of Lord of the Rings told over and over. Um, you want to read <laughs> new stuff, um, new stories. Um, so yeah, so the, the the downside is then that like what whatever kind of lane you're in, whether it's trad or self, you do have to be more savvy with marketing and maybe think about that a bit more. Um, I don't think you can just totally rely on your publisher to to do everything for you anymore, unless just by luck or just the right timing or you know that your book suddenly just kind of explodes and you know kind of goes sort of mad but that doesn't happen for many people so no. but I, th I think it's interesting that certainly a book can look like it explodes in our corner of booktube or twitter or something like that and it seems like everybody's reading it 
but that's still such a small amount of people in the big scheme thing, you know, it can it can it can feel like it's everywhere but really nowhere at the same time. Yeah, I think that's um well yes, because I because when I wasn't on social media and I was reading all these fantasy books and I'm like, you know, there is nobody he asked us reading these I feel like I'm alone um but I think fantasy the the brilliant thing about it is that it's like globally a, lo a loved genre yeah. and so kind of whenever you go on social media then you kind of meet people from everywhere in the world who are really into the same books that you're into um and I think that I think that's the thing it's like we're a really strong fan base but we're very spread out you know so um but I, yeah, I, but so I think when on Twitter and on Discord things really become big, I actually think the ripple effects really happen, and I think it. But it just takes a while for that to kind of move out into the to the the wider fantasy communities and circles. Yeah, I think it's funny because like we'll be talking about. Fifty people that we know all have read it and heard about it, so we think everybody else has. And then I'll randomly mention it to one person that I don't interact with much, and then all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, what's that book?" And you're like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah." And have to explain everything. Yeah, and I suppose that is the difference between traditional publishing and otherwise, because the likes of my wife haven't read your book now, Shauna. She will take it to her mum, and the chance of her mum ever seeing your book without that kind of through link and not being in the store and my wife picking that up is so slim because yeah. her mom's never on booktube she's never on twitter she's never in anything else uh but she has a chance now to read read your book yeah uh, and then talk yeah. about it again i know well that that's that's word of mouth and it's sort of yeah kind of being able to kind of share the books around and yeah. get the word out um you know and that that's where books i think kind of live or die um is is on the word of mouth it's not on kind of the great first week sales or the great cover that everyone talks about it is after that's died down you know once everyone's seen your cover and everyone's heard your reviews after that did they hear enough to read your book and then did they like it enough to recommend it on to someone else i think i think that's where you know the books kind of succeed now unless you're a celebrity and you just have a huge fan base um you know word of, word of mouth is very important did have a there was a conversation in the chat in the uh, comments wanted to get everyone's opinion on uh, Jeremiah had mentioned about booktubers being better at marketing books and publishers and I anonymous um, was explaining that he he may disagree because um, uh, with, with booktubers are great at getting books into people's heads but they don't necessarily translate into sales uh, so I tell Indies I know uh, booktube is a slow burn and you have to get keep doing it and eventually get some fire out of it. What's been your experience, Shauna, with reviewers? Is it how much does that help, or how much does that help boost uh, sales? So the thing is, I don't know because I'm trad and I don't have my numbers. And so it was really funny. I was talking to Ryan Cahill or Cahill, maybe he's would was pronounced his surname. Um, but I was talking to him at FantasyCon, and he like literally knows how many people buy his books every day because he's self-published and you can just see what's being sold on Amazon. I don't know. <laughs> so I kind of do various social media things and I literally have no idea what's working or not working or what's the right thing to do. So, um, but in general, I find that um, 
look, tubers are really important. Um, I know all, all I do have any sort of correlation with is Goodreads and how many people put it onto their TBR list. And so I know when the brothers win, did a review of my book it kind of hmm. went way way up um and when nick borelli from hmm. out of this world sff i think is his blog when he reviewed my book i also had a huge spike so obviously that's on a good reads tbr list so that i suppose only correlates to interest not to a book sale but i find the more interest you have, you know, it must correlate to sales somewhere along the line. Um, so I think it's important. I think it's important to kind of stay in kind of the the gaze of readers and, you know, you don't want it to fall to the bottom of the TBR. You sort of want it to sort of stay in the middle and then start to work its way up. Um, but then of course, like I, I'm a traditionally published author. So my books are in bookstores and I'm also getting that kind of people who are just walking in and seeing my book and buying it and so that's obviously very important as well kind of trying to catch people who might want to buy your book in as many places as possible and so I think kind of the, the traditionally published what the traditional publishers that machine you know it, it it is a well-oiled machine and it does work and lots of people still buy their books in bookstores. And, you know, up until I got into BookTube and Twitter, I walked into a bookstore and had no idea what I was going to buy. I just browsed. So I, I still do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so lots of people still, still do that. And so whenever kind of I had the cover for my book, you know, they got a really top quality book designer who does lots of kind of best-selling books and you know they've done that for a reason it's a kind of a, a catchy cover and they want people to look at it and to pick it up and to read the blurb and then maybe read the first page and then take it to the till so yeah so I don't know I don't know where my sales have come from I don't know if they've come from browsers in the bookstore or from people following me on twitter or from Booktube, but I, I think myself it has to be a mix and that everything feeds into you know and every every reader you get is important because you know I think kind of because we're very into into TBRs and reading if you have a thousand people that buy your book only 500 actually might read it you know <laughs> buying and reading <laughs> isn't Super. like a correlation anymore um so out of the 500 people who read it maybe 400 finish it and then out of the 400 who finish it maybe 200 like it and then out of those 200 maybe 100 people recommend it to someone else you know so you kind of want that funnel at the top where people are hearing about your book to be as wide as possible so that you kind of that funnel trans kind of comes down and is still quite big at the end if that makes sense mm. I like that analogy. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yep. You're on yeah, mute, Steve. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> did the, the cover design for that, and mm -hmm. she's wonderful. And I've seen I've seen some of the artwork for book two, and it's also really good. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
my, my wife sent me on to ask you when's it coming because she's, she, she's gonna have to wait for a second book and i was like just be patient it'll be fine <laughs> yes it was september 14th it's a long time that's okay um, for book two but i am i am working on something else that might come out kind of midway so, <laughs> <laughs> nice. got chris too excited now yeah. i know i know well it, the problem is i think is there really isn't a lot of irish historical fantasy you see so if you find something that, that scratches that itch it's not like reading like an epic fantasy and there's like any amount of other epic fantasy books to read or, or something like that you're, you're you're searching for the for the little bits that maybe are like glass kingdom like historical fiction or something uh to kind of to kind of fill that void for a little while so it's good that makes sense yes i imagine especially being from where that takes place and stuff it probably hits a different than like what it would like for me like it was really yeah. it's not like as personal as what it would be to you or your wife or yeah, it was interesting because normally I just browse in Neck Alley to see what's coming out that I'm not seeing, you know, in the pre-order lists. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you see the cover and then you go, oh, this is Irish in some way. You click into it and then you go through that that process then just kind of say, right, well, this is, there's nothing else like this as far as I can see. This seems like it's going to really, really jibe with me, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I do, I do think um, kind of that sort of, Mythological retellings is very in at the minute. Um, And it was coming in when I was submitting this book. Um, And that really helped because it was a kind of a historical fantasy genre. I think it's a genre that is uh, growing, Um, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't an Irish one. So I think that sort of helped. It's like, it's something that's growing, but it's a twist. You know, it's not another Greek retelling or even though every Greek retelling always does really well. Um, but you know, it's nice to have something different as well. It was. It's cool. I wonder why Greek retellings are popular. I think it's because like everybody knows Greek mythology. Like you like mm-hmm. Zeus and Achilles. Like everybody wants to be Achilles, like invincible <laughs> warrior. <laughs> There's like brand recognition with some of those gods, you know, Zeus yeah. and Achilles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you think about it. Yeah, like even the Roman side of things, like they're basically the exact same gods, but they're not nearly mm-hmm. as popular as like you say Zeus and everybody's like, oh, I know Zeus. I love Zeus. But you say like Jupiter and they're like, well, who's that? That's planet out in space. Planet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the biggest planet. Yeah. Yeah. But. It's funny how there's not that correlation, but like Greek, like everybody knows, and then like the Irish, the Roman, the all these other things are just as fascinating, but don't have that foothold. Yeah, but it, it just leaves more stories to be told that are that are fresh and new then for people to see. You know, if it's if it's not a well furrowed path, then people can kind of put themselves in it, and I would imagine that helps you get published. You know, if you find that niche or something that a publisher thinks actually this is fits within this genre, but actually is a perspective that there isn't anything of on the shelf. I, I, I can't imagine that it hurts. Uh, yeah. publishing yeah. I think with Greek and then with Norse, which both sell well, I think is that there is just, I think the name recognition and that's mm-hmm. from like, movies like Jason and the Argonauts yeah. Um, yeah. from like fifties kind of to the Marvel movies. 
And so I think you're going into your novel knowing something already and liking it already. And so that kind of feeling that you're taking a chance on something is lessened because you feel there's a bit like a bigger chance that you will like it because you've liked Marvel or you've liked those kind of old kind of 50s um, kind of Hollywood movies. Um, so I think when you're doing something new, you are asking kind of the the reader to take a bit of a, a leap of faith. Um, and that is, you know, it's it's you're asking them for their money and people kind of don't want to be unpleasantly surprised and read something that isn't to their taste. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's that's where the difficulty is when you do something new is, you know, that's what you're asking readers to do. Yeah. Well, I think you kind of nailed it on the head when you're talking about traditional publishing that they they don't want to gamble. They want to invest their money in a sure thing. And that's why you see more of the Greek and mm-hmm. Norse retellings, because it's more the sure thing for the reason she said. Mm-hmm. Like for us, it's more exciting to read something new. But for some of these other people that read one, two books a year, they're just going to pick up what they're what's familiar. Yeah. I, I, I think so, because um, most people do like, you know, read maybe a handful of books a year and actually sometimes reading something um, similar is comforting. You know, mm-hmm. um, when the the Last Kingdom series was coming out every other year, I loved it. I loved kind of being reimmersed in the Last Kingdom world. Um, but I know some people who binge read the series say that some of the books are too similar. But whenever you're getting them two years apart, that's not a problem because I like that they're similar. I like that the kind of same kind of conflicts are coming up and you're getting Uhtred and he's fighting kind of um, like all the the kind of Wessex royal family members. Um, So, yeah, comfort is is another thing as well. You know, it's the same reason why, you know, kind of you watch the same movies over and over again or mm-hmm. um, yeah. if you have a favorite actor or actress and they're doing another rom-com and you like their last rom-com you'll give that one a go because you know there's sort of comfort to be derived from the familiar um, but then of course you can't do that over and over even those readers eventually will want something new and you need to provide that as well like ahead of Zeus I think are a brilliant publisher because um, they do take risks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. they, they over in the UK anyway. You know, they they're the publisher now for Christopher Rocchio and um, Ken Liu for the Dandelion Dynasty and Adrian Tchaikovsky. Um, you know, they've got so many, so many yeah. cool authors. Um, and, Superstars, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But even and up and coming, you know, they're, they're kind of they're not afraid to take to take risks and I really like that about them as a publisher. That's really cool. It is indeed. Yeah. I just want to mention uh, really quickly, I Anonymous said, uh, actually funny thing, I'm currently doing my free promotion for uh, Bait on Hill. Yes, it's free right now and a lot of people are downloading it and buying book one, Grizzle, which is a pretty good idea. Yeah. yeah. Don't want to jump into book two without reading book one, so. Yeah. Yeah. To, to really annoy us and to talk about um, Game of Thrones again. <laughs> no, don't, don't mention a certain season. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. People um, might not have taken their drink yet. Try <laughs> 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 um, Yeah, no, I won't talk about that. But there has definitely been an impact on the book community on having that series unfinished. 
Mm. Um, mm. And so I think um, I Anonymous is saying, you know, once the second book is out, people are more willing to take the chance on the first book because they're like, oh, this author has is producing. He's got the output is coming through and I'm not going to be stuck reading book one and in the series is never completed. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a very good, good strategy. Um, you know, you need to when book two comes out, actually, you sometimes end up getting more sales for book one than you do for book two. But that's still good. That's still kind of bringing people into the, the world that you're creating. Yeah. I think it's funny because most of us will be stuck in like this problem of reading never ending book ones all the time. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> God, I could continue on this series. I really enjoyed, but there's another book one of a series that I know nothing about that I heard in the grapevine that I'll, I'll stick 500 pages in the in my reading schedule for. Well, I think, wasn't it in Dom's Discord, Chris, that like Terry has like 200 and something series oh, to complete? What the hell? Like he's but, just started that many series and he's like, if I don't get another book, I still have 200 and something books to read in order to complete yeah. the series but, but I started. But Terry has also like read books, a series that have like 50 books in them. And like, that's true. All five stars as well. <laughs> like I just, I just marvel at them sometimes I go, this is incredible. This, this is legacy that you're going to leave. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> of, of the Upbridge series and these serious commitments to the oh, long running. Yeah. Amazing. And right. I think I think whenever you're on BookTube and you're seeing all these great series coming out, you want to give them all a go. Um, and so I, that definitely happened to me once I started getting into BookTube and Twitter. Um, so I think this year I sort of made a commitment I need to actually finish some more series before I start new ones. Um, so, yeah, so I'm do that's what I'm doing this year. I'm sort of finishing so then next year I can go into some new, new books. Yeah, I need to do that too. I don't want it's to count mine. As I said, there's too many good books coming out. Mm -hmm. yeah, too, much, too much temptation. Too many um, kind of different things. Um, but yeah, but no, October, November, December is my um, months of finishing. So Warlord, which is the last book in the Last Kingdom series, I am 100% reading. I need to just buckle up, um, find my courage, and just find out how it all ends. Finish it. What other series are you are you planning on finishing? Oh, we lost Chris. Um. Oh, sorry. Who are you asking first? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, we lost Chris. Uh, Chris dropped out. Oh. But which uh, which series are you looking forward to finishing? Which other series? Okay, so I really enjoyed the Prior and the Martyr by Anthony Ryan. Um. So his third book, I think, is coming out next year. So that series is brilliant. I'm really, really like excited about finishing that. Um. I am on the Red Queen War series by Mark Lawrence. So I've read the first two, so I have to finish the third one for that. And, oh, I'm trying to say what else is on my radar. Oh, yes. So I've read Way of Kings and Words of Radiance. Mm. Um, so I need to read books three and four um, for that as well. Because um, I want to be, I want to have that series sort of in by the time the next book's uh, the fifth book's released. Hmm. But I really enjoyed that series so far. Um, I wasn't just so blown away with Miss Bourne. Um, it wasn't like a total favourite of mine. Um, but yeah, Way of Kings, when I started reading that, completely blew me away. I think it's a fantastic series. 
um, and the writing and epicness is sort of a bit more maybe to my personal tastes. So um, yeah, I'm really enjoying that series. Yeah. I do think that Alamand is by far my favorite magic system that I've come across in a book. Just love that magic system. It was just different the very first time I read, like ingesting the metals and the powers you get from it. I don't know. For Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I did enjoy Mistborn. I don't say that to sort of say it's not a good series. It is a really good series. Um, but just like no. Brad Anderson, he he does lots of different genres and age groups, you know, because he wants to suppose, market his books to everyone. Um, so just Way of Kings is like that's that's my um yeah my series that i kind of have really uh clicked with no i i agree with it that like it's the writing on that one is like way better but the magic system from the first from miss borden is what i loved about that one that's what kept me in that series more than anything else yeah yeah no i i, I do get that um yeah i think actually when i when i picked up way of um kings i think i was just is it Kaladin? is that how you say his name Kaladin. Caledon um, and Bridge Four. Just I've never been so stressed out, um, you know, <laughs> reading his chapters, um, which is just the, the the mark of a fantastic writer that they can really make you feel so anxious. Um, mm. Yeah, so definitely, I wanna, I want to 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 get to the end of that series. I've been putting it off for too long, I think, just because the books are so big. Um, but I need to just just get them read. Yeah. How about you? What what series um, are on your radar that you've started but you need to to finish? For me or Steve? Yeah, for you. <laughs> um, it's funny. I need to finish the Faithful and the Fallen. No, it's not a favorite of Steve's, but yeah. <laughs> but I need to finish that one. Um, right now, I'm reading the arc uh, like it's book three of Wistful Ascending, so it's like mm. superheroes in space, which is. Oh really funny really cool um so i'll be caught up on that one um what else am i i don't know there's too many to count i've started so many book ones like i could probably go to my shelves but i have been like i finished thread light finished i finished some good series too this year so but those are the the main ones that i know that i'm not caught up on that i i know i need to yeah. that I'm most excited about catching up on. Hmm. How about you, Steve? What What's um, what's your series oh that gosh. are falling to you? <laughs> uh, well, we're in the middle of reading uh, The Expanse. I'm reading that with Chris. Uh, reading that that series. We're reading, uh, we're doing a, a weekly podcast meetup for The Prince of Nothing. Um, so we're reading that. Reading, um, what else am I reading? Oh, The Dandelion Dynasty. Mm-hmm. And um, what else? I think that might be it, because <laughs> those books alone are pretty pretty chunky. So, what Try book to... are you guys on on the Expanse? Uh, I'm on. We're on book four. Sea of Burn. Yeah, started it yesterday. I think. Okay. Yeah. I haven't read them yet, but I keep saying I need to. But it one of those like I will read it one day. <laughs> Yeah, they were. If have you seen the the series, the TV series? Mm-hmm. Well, I've seen three episodes. One of those. Oh, yeah. TV. <laughs> I should have guessed. 
You're only watching like two episodes of every single <laughs> series. Everyone tells me they're good and they are good, and I just don't make time. Yeah. Yeah. I've got very picky with TV shows as well. Like if after a couple of episodes it's not grabbing me, um I haven't I don't I don't kind of continue. Yeah, my wife my wife gets upset at me because I'll just start shows and then we never go back and watch any of them. Yeah. <laughs> does she wait for you to watch them or does she keep going without you? Um she watches her own shows. She just starts them and finishes them on her own. She just knows that it's never going to happen with me, I think. <laughs> and uh, Chia goes here. Uh, Mistborn greater than WOK. There I said, Wave is Kings. It? Wave Kings. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, um, that's my friend, um, mm -hmm. Iago Abdallah, and he wrote A Touch of Lights, um, mm -hmm. his, which is brilliant. It's a really, really fantastic um, self-published book. It is. I talk to yeah. Chiago almost daily now. So. Yeah. yeah. But, I'm trying to twist his arm to come on, but I haven't been able to get him yet. Okay, Tiago. <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, he, he, he said he's request. Yeah. <laughs> he just had a baby, though, so give him give him a little bit. That's no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's really wonderful. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, it's great talking to him. Um, Jeremiah yeah. said the, t the Expanse TV series is so close to the books. They did a great job on that adaptation. They did a really, really... Uh, good job on the and sometimes I, I wonder why am i reading the books because i've already seen i've already know what's going to happen but there's a few a few differences uh and brandy from the other room said uh steve did that to me with the last kingdom i really want to keep watching i just haven't gotten back to him yeah i i kind of we watched the first season or two and then kind of just fell off i haven't continued so oh, you're not alone season, season at least seasons so good you need to keep going at least you can say seasons, not episodes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah, he has a friend. <laughs> so, and he's he's sitting in the dark with the baby in his arms right now. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh and then my, uh, my youngest is seven now, so sort of out of the baby zone. You're back. You're back, Chris. Yeah. Internet's just disappeared in the house. You know, we have ways and means. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you glad yeah. you can make it back. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, Jim Moborn says uh, Chago has been really taking advantage of the whole. I, I have a life to take care of. Excuse. Yeah. What? What's going on? <laughs> I I agree, Jim. Hundred percent. Every time it's like I'm I'm doing my real job. I'm like, no, your real job is get me booked too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Daniel says, I regard the entire Cosmere as being basically one big series anyway. I I agree, especially as you can't say too much because Shauna hasn't read it, but as you finish it, books three and four, you see a lot more of that. So the more you know about the Cosmere, um, the more investment you have in that series, I think. Yes, no, that, that's interesting. Um kind of because like how many books are there released already that are all linked to the Cosmere? Um Elantris, Warbreaker. Then ten ten to twelve. Okay. And is it obvious that they're all related or are you kind of is that all like kind of hidden and you're looking for if you if you know what you're looking for, like there's a whole Reddit 
page that can break, <laughs> break it down a lot better than I can. But if you know what you're looking for, you can definitely see it, especially in the Stormlight Archive okay. um, with Wit. Wit appears in all those books. Ah, right, so there's, uh, okay. Because mm -hmm. Mark Lawrence has done something similar with his series. There's like one character that's in all his books. Um, but when I initially read his books, I had no idea that they were related. It was only um, uh, kind of later on um, with the Book of Ice series that kind of it became apparent that they were linked. Yeah, I didn't realize it until I'd read five of Brandon Sanderson's, I think. So I read yeah. all of Mistborn and then went back and read uh, Warbreaker and stuff like that. And then I started noticing a certain name that pops up on a page. Wow. Okay. Um, I don't know how spoiler we want to get, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't don't spoil. I was just I was just wondering how obvious yeah. it was that they were were linked to them. Would it kind of um, kind of is it very obvious, or is it more kind of it becomes apparent as you said after a few books that you're noticing that there's things that that match up? It's not. He doesn't come out and just like blatantly show it until like later in the series. But like, if you know what you're looking for, you can find it in book two. Mm -hmm. um, with some of the flashbacks, you'll start seeing like magic systems from another book series being used in okay. Stormlight Archive. Oh. oh, interesting. Okay, yes. So I definitely need to to kind of read books three and four then. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. No, I will. That's definitely on my list to do this year. Yeah. More books to read. Perfect. Yeah. This. <laughs> uh, and then the sword is a big one in the series too. Like, as you get in books three and four, there's a sword that's in another book. You've <laughs> <laughs> really careful. I have. Like, it's so hard to not just come and say, it, say everything, but I know there's probably several people that haven't read all of those books, and so I don't want to, like, there's characters. And, yeah. Yep. Okay. Warbreaker is a major Stormlight tie-in. Okay, so then here's my next question. Should I start to read book three of Stormlight or should I read Warbreaker first? Read Warbreaker first. Okay. Okay. I shall. I, I have a copy of it. Okay. I shall do that. Yep. Read and Warbreaker that's, first. That's a standalone book, sort of. Like, that's not a series. It's a standalone right now. Yeah. Yes. Right. I, sorry, he's talking about writing a sequel or something to it, isn't he, Jordan? He, yeah, he's talked about it for years. Yeah. There's supposed to be an Elantris sequel, too. Um, okay. but when they'll ever, there is the novella that's in the Elantris world. That's really, really good too. Like the completely different writing style than what he normally does. Ooh. Um, that's probably one of my top Sanderson books actually is that novella just because it's so different. Um, can't think of the name of it right now. Uh, the emperor's soul, um, has a lot more of like the Korean culture that he's really familiar with. Like he ties a lot of that into it and that's really good. Uh, but yeah, um, but read Warbreaker first cause you'll notice a lot of things from Warbreaker in the Stormlight <laughs> archive. Okay, no, that's, that's, the, that's on my list then. I'll read that first. Yep. Yeah, like, if you, yeah, if you read, if you read books three and four, like it'll still be really good and like it won't ruin the story at all, but you'll miss a lot of those subtle things that he's thrown in there that show that 
that it's actually from this other spot. Okay. <laughs> Jordan big. This is possible. <laughs> it, it's huge. Like they're big spoilers. And so I don't want to just come out and say it and like yeah. ruin like whole books. <laughs> and then everybody would be like, never listening to Jordan again. He just ruins books for me. <laughs> I know it's very hard to talk about books in a non-spoilery way. Yeah, um, yeah. especially um, like in a live stream like this one. Like it's one yeah. thing like when you can edit it and like, oh crap, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I know. This is exactly what your YouTube channel should be about, though, George. You know, when when it finally happens, <laughs> it'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah, we'll just nudge you that way. I know. And Chris, when you were gone, we were talking about the series that we're finishing or want to finish up soon. And we were talking about The Expanse. We're reading The Expanse yeah, together. What's, what sure. series are you uh, are you wanting uh, to finish? Well, I've got I've one. I've booked three to do of Mistborn Era 1. That's where you'll talk about uh, Sanderson, which I've enjoyed a lot. I think I think I put it in page two earlier on that uh, like Sanderson, I love all his books, but I wouldn't consider him like one of my favorite authors for, for whatever reason. Like, I think really readable the plot is so good all that kind of stuff but i don't know it just does just doesn't tickle me the same way as like uh christopher rocky's series which i'm reading as well like the sunlighter series yeah, it wasn't until i read way of kings that i was like a yeah, diehard Sanderson fan. Fan. yeah because yeah, i've only read um i've read the steve hart series the ya series which i think is really good a lot of people don't, don't seem to gravitate or talk about that very much but I, that was the first series that, that i'd read from start to finish um, but yeah, looking forward to Stormlight Archive. Yeah, sure. I think I think his he'll move up your list once you read that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Read that one. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, no, I'm reading Christopher Rocchio at the minute as well. Um, he, he's very smart. Uh, you know, you can see in his his writing. Um, I thought Empire of Silence was was really very good, um, very captivating uh, book. Yeah. Oh, and I don't... Else. Something Chris else. And Steve. <laughs> oh well, Highland Dark something else. <laughs> I'm so excited because I don't normally read oh. sci-fi, um, so it's different. It's sort of a bit of a change up for me. Yeah. Um, but I'm very um, excited about reading it. I was meant to read it in August, but then that was my month of being completely unable oh, to write because I was so stressed. <laughs> so I read like I couldn't read anything. I was so stressed out. Um. So August just was, yeah, a write-off. So I'm sort of starting up my reading again. Yeah. It's probably one of those things too, Shauna, that feels about like six months ago, given how much has happened since August. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. September, it was just a sort of a crazy month, really. Um, so, so yeah. But, yeah, so it kind of it feels like the book has been out for a long time now, but it hasn't. It's only been out, really, for five weeks. Um, and... That's only in the UK, you know, it's it's not released in America or Australia yet. Although, sorry, the, the Kindle books right there. But yeah, it's sort of, it's all, time has lost all meaning. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Have, have you seen your book in a, in a bookstore yet? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was in, well, my book launch was in Waterstones. Um, so they had about like 100 copies in. Um, on the launch day, so they had like a big wall of my book, um, which was love, which was really cool. Um, 
Yeah. So that was wonderful. Um, although yeah, my mum was in the other day and she said she couldn't find any. So she was raging. But then I was like, well, that means that they sold them all. So maybe that's yeah, good. Well, I was, I was in last week and um, it's the same thing. I couldn't, I couldn't see it either. Yeah. So hopefully they get some, some new ones in soon. Um, Yes, and I was in another bookstore and it was there, so that's been nice. Um, I've actually had lots of friends um, from the south of Ireland sending me photographs of my book, um, oh, which is nice. It's always nice to see your book is out there because I think you worry sometimes that it's not and people aren't seeing it, hmm. um, especially with Waterstones having all this over here. They're having this huge issue with their distribution centres and warehouses, so um, books aren't turning up. Um, in the bookstores or being delivered to people. Yeah, there's a lot of gaps in their series, like uh, like major series, like the Stormlight Archive. There were none in that Waterstones that I that I was in the other the other day. Like that's insane. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think they put out a statement today saying that the the issues are resolved, um, but they've had these issues for about three months now. And I know some people are saying that some Waterstones they've been into are quite bare. Um, because they haven't been getting their delivery so that's that's actually i've had other friends who debuted at the same time as me and they're they're been saying that that's impacted them quite badly um they've had lots of people texting and emailing to say that they've ordered their books and they haven't arrived um so hopefully that kind of all resolves soon um they get that kind of sorted um because i suppose it, it you know it's important that your books in the stores as well well, Waterstones is the whole ball game here, aside from Tesco's carrying running keys and <laughs> David Williams and David yeah. Williams and, and actually Con Eagleton, you were talking about uh, Greece earlier on. Like Con Eagleton will make it into supermarkets here. Burning mm. Car will make it in, but that everything else is the very um the fantasy, the lighthearted, the What is that genre that I that my wife that my mum reads? It's the the Marion Keys, the uh, rom coms, the, 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 the It's I it's not even totally like rom com either. It's like nothing really happens. My mum doesn't want anything to happen the book really. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she just wants to kind of exist with the book for a while and go. Oh, that was nice. That was sweet. You know. That was yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Richard Osman, obviously over here, is huge at the That's minute. Right. So I was in Goldsboro Books um, when I was in London a couple of weeks ago and they got me to sign their stock. So they had a, about 100 books in um, that I signed for them. And there, where I was signing, there was just like a mass, like there wasn't any space on the floor. It was just filled with cardboard boxes. And I was like, oh, you know, like big delivery in today. And they're like, no, that's just Richard Osman. <laughs> Richard Osmond is like the um, the host of a of a game show here, and he's written a couple of like crime novels, uh, and they've really taken off. They're just having the best selling list all over the place. So much so that he's given up the game show. Oh wow! um, He was coming in apparently to sign them the week after me, and he had he must have had five thousand books there to sign. Easy, like there was just boxes and boxes upon boxes. You know. Such a downer up to yourself, though, Sean. Like, you know, they'll just be like, oh, Richard Osmond's here. Oh. <laughs> Get Sean back. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful, obviously. You know, like, all books being sold are, are, are brilliant. I don't mean to be disparaging to him because he's totally tapped into another niche market, which is he has got four elderly protagonists who are detectives. 
Um, and that's another thing, you know, you always hear like lots of fiction are about young people, but a lot of people who read books are older and people want to read about kind of themselves. And so I think it's brilliant that he, he has sort of found something different to do within that kind of cozy mystery um, genre. And that's why he's doing so well. Yeah, I like recommend mysteries. Name, so. Yeah, I didn't either. I like a mystery every once in a while. But... Those those are by far, and I mean by far and away, the best selling books in the UK, and have been for about the past two, three years. Its third one is coming out rather than out. No, I think it's out now. I think that's, that's why we, that's why all those boxes are there. He was. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so, I got. I know Nina and. Those guys kind of gave me Chris Carter. Oh, yes, they talk about Chris Carter a lot, indeed, yeah. Yeah, I actually got one of those books just because they kept talking about it, saying they're, they're like the best like thriller books they've ever read. Like, hmm. it's, that, it's that Discord thing of as soon as you mention an author's name, somebody goes, so good, or something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you go, okay, yeah. so it must be really good. <laughs> yeah, like... Because like Nina said it, and then like four other people were like, "Yeah, that's right. amazing, like, amazing." Mm -hmm. And then there was somebody else read the first one, and they went, "No, you're right." And that kind of recommendation that goes way further than just the general hubbub of the, all these. I love this author. Yeah. Somebody reads it new, and they're like, "Yeah." Yeah, that's exactly why I bought the book. Is like yeah. they said, Chris Carter. Like Nina was saying, "Oh, if you like reading thrillers once in a while," I was like, "Yeah, I do." And then she got somebody else to read it, and they're like, "No, that's awesome." And I was like. Okay. <laughs> so then I went and bought book one. <laughs> yeah. I find it hard to read thriller and horror books. I get too scared. <laughs> I've almost read them. Steve loves them though, don't I, you? Yeah. I've never been scared by like never been scared by a book. Ever. I was thinking mm -hmm. about this. You know, I was thinking about reading you get tense. Like don't get me wrong, you, you, there's like a, a tension that the author drives up, but I never kinda went, Oh my god, put that down. Not the same way that it would a movie or a TV show. Oh no! What was um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? I was just yeah. about able to read, but the sequel, I just, I was so scared, I had to close up and I just had never picked it up again. <laughs> I think the only time that it happened to me, I was in high school, and it was a uh, Mary Higgins Clark, and the main character gets buried alive, and like oh. goes for like three chapters of like can barely breathe, and so then like I didn't realize at the time that I was like. You stop breathing as well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, it makes me shiver even just talking about that thought. Yeah, like has the like main character has a bell that they they can ring so that people know that they're buried alive and like it, it was pretty intense as a like young young reader not expecting something like that. You know, it's, but it's something I talk about with my kids a lot, you know, about when no matter what they're watching, reading or anything, when they like cry or get scared or anything, they're like, oh God, I can't, I don't like those type of books or I don't like that kind of media. I was like, do you know how skillful it is for somebody to actually do that for you? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. some, you'll, you'll want to read more of that. Like I know I remember going in and uh, someone was watching anime and finished the end of the series and was hurling all over this. And I mean, completely hurling. And they're like, I'm never watching another TV show again. That's it. That's it. We're done. I can't be like this ever again. And I was like, but you have been literally hiring. What other thing in your life has made you do this? You know, it hasn't, you know, it's not reaching into the deepest parts of your soul like art does and like books or media or anything. So yeah, keep on doing it. Like that, that bit's cool. You'll, you'll, you'll get a of it 
further down the line to say, oh yeah, I want to feel like that again. Yeah. 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 No, books um, can be very, very powerful that way. Um, have you ever read the book or seen the movie Atonement? Oh, the the Kim book. No, I haven't yeah. read, I haven't read oh, it. Mm-hmm. Well, I just I was in such a bad mood for about a week. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it really upset. Um, yeah, but then like I, I was really angry and upset and annoyed by the book, and then I watched the movie and I was really annoyed, angry, and upset by the movie as well. But yes, but then you appreciate sort of the storytelling and and why yeah. it's done that, do you? And that's very, um, you know, that's kind of kind of cool but yeah sometimes um i have to be in sort of the right space to kind of be upset if you're sure. coming, you know? sure. yeah yeah um, i will say legend of blackjack was a self-pub that hit me in the feels too like he pulls no punches yeah so, and that's what he's going for and you know he's definitely he's taking you along and sets it up from the first chapter you know that kind of relationships that you have and yeah yeah and then mistborn did it to me when the one character dies, I did slam the book shut. So I was very <laughs> upset. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. Everybody dies. I don't know. I, I, I don't have this. But he wasn't supposed to, though. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> at, at least in my mind at that time. Like, yeah. I think that's um, something like a fantasy, and then, like, especially from Dark. Um, is good at that it's good at sort of kind of giving you those unexpected um punches and deaths and things that you're not expecting and that's that's good sometimes to kind of be shocked into an emotion as opposed Rump to throws, expecting yeah. it yeah so yeah tiago's talking about legend of blackjack yeah Yes, I do need to read that um it's it's on my list as well here but let me tell you that or ask you this is that suitable for a 12 year old? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. 100%. He okay. wrote it with his son in mind, that's a 14 year old. So he wrote it for that. Like, it is definitely a young adult. Like, yeah, it hit me in the feels, but it's nothing. Okay. It's, it's a little dark thematically, but nothing dark happens. If, you know what I mean? It's not like in, in, in that way, you know. It's like Harry Potter would be yeah. like. Yeah, like dark things are happening in the world and like there's dark elements but it's not not dark dark okay yes because you know a young adult i find such a um unhelpful title (laughs) some young adult is like you know sarah j mass and some young adult is harry potter and in terms of content and suitability for teenagers like younger teenagers um i'm never quite sure what's suitable and what's not, you know. No, um, I agree. Like, I kind of look at the Hunger Games that way. Like, I don't think that, like, it's labeled as young adult, but I don't think, like, a 10-year-old, 11-year-old should be reading, you know, yeah. Yeah. killing other other kids. Like, that's that's not suitable. Like, 17, 18-year-olds can understand the difference, but. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when it's, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's having that conversation. I don't know, when I was growing up, I just read whatever I wanted. And, you know, there wasn't, I don't know, there was, did, was young adult a thing maybe about 20 years ago? I don't know. I would it's have a, bit so. a new genre that, uh, that's come out. But yeah, there's, 
it's very uh, like as it uninformative as to actually what age it's appropriate for whereas at least if you're reading an adult book you are more mm -hmm. confident that maybe some things won't be suitable or whatever um but young adult is just you never know uh, but no but my son he's he's uh, has to get the bus to school now so i was thinking about maybe getting some audiobooks um yeah. so i know you're recommending it earlier so maybe that'd be a good one to get him yeah no that one would be safe so yeah okay that's good good to know and uh chago's gonna bug you to read legends of blackjack every day now I'm trying to i know i know um well no i will i will i promise i'll i'll definitely read it <laughs> Yeah, I think Thiago says that's his number one book of the year that he's read. So. Oh, wow. It's really good. But he, he can't mention his own, you see. He can't be that vain to say. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is good. This is really good. I love The Touch of Light. It is probably my favorite book of the year. Yeah, it's really, really good. It was, I um, love it. It, again, it's like one of those books that, you know, it's not very tangibly related, the characters, you know, you've got your three separate POVs mm -hmm. um, and he's not spoon feeding you as a reader. <laughs> no. And, um, and I, I, I sort of, I said to him, I kind of compared it to Malazan that way as in, you know, mm. it's all a bit initially disjointed and you have to work to kind of work, find out how everything's related, but that's fun. You know, it's nice not to be spoon fed all the time and to work things out and to, kind of make up your own mind as to who's good and who's bad and um so I think it was a wonderful book um definitely philosophical as well I liked how death sure. was explored and how different the different cultures view death and what it meant and that was very interesting so yeah. it's definitely it's definitely one of the uh, my top books of this year too yeah I agree have you read it Steve I have it's on my list it's um it's, it's I think later on yeah I think I'm, I'm, it's on my list before the end of the year, hopefully. Okay. It's just All right. hard to find the time. <laughs> but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the, the other 70 books. Yeah, because I, yeah. I know you love to drown Kingdom, and mm -hmm. it's like it has a lot of those similar elements into it, mm -hmm. like of the themes and kind of that kind of thing, but a lot more fantasy heavy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I hear lots of good things about it. Yeah. yeah, that's terrific. Um, his novella is actually um, coming up soon for me to read. Um, I love novellas. I love kind of getting like a nice little um, snippet into a series. Um, so I'm, but I was, I was sort of holding it off. Well, actually, I'll ask him later because um, I like to read a novella kind of a bit more between book one and two. So you kind of have a <laughs> before you go into the into the the second book. Um, but yeah, I, I love a novella. I actually read his novella first, but I wish I read it second. So. Okay. Oh, it's controversial. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> but I have, like, I didn't, I like how I got tied to some of the characters in there. And then <laughs> right as soon as you start book one, it's like, what? <laughs> like, they're gone. <laughs> um, it's not very spoilerish, but like, they're dead within like the first. 20 pages <laughs> like <laughs> you're like hey i just invested all that time in that that's like that's what i liked about this one um and it would have been better I, for me it would have been better like reading it is like kind of a flashback to those characters right. instead of being like all right i'm ready let's go with this um and then it's like oh this is not where i thought it was going 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that Jim's novella is coming out this month as well. Yeah, Jim. Jim Wilmer. Promised Land, indeed. I'm almost done, Jim. Almost done <laughs> with with the seventh cadence. So. Oh, that's right. You've been doing the read along and the and in the accords, haven't you? That's right. Yeah, I've been popping so, in, seeing what everybody thinks. <laughs> yeah, no, the India Accord buddy reads are more like Lana's and our, my TBRs that we both had similar <laughs> books. <laughs> to be honest, like we're just like, all right, these are books we want to read. Let's, if people want to join us, they can. Oh, the they don't know. I am the worst person ever to do a kind of buddy read with. I just can't. I either read them too quick or too slow. Yeah. <laughs> They really helped me finish series, uh, yeah. finish the series up because it's that, uh, like with Chris, we're reading the Expanse together, and with Robin and uh, Layla, and it's we just plan it every month. Say, okay, next month, what day are you available? And we put on the calendar, and then it's, I know I have to have it done by that that day That's next right. month. So, mm. it, but it helps keep keep us yeah. going. It helps focus, yeah, for sure. Mm. Because uh, there are times when you kind of go fifty pages of like seven books. You know, to try and get an in, and you haven't really committed to anything. You're like, oh, this is the most unsatisfying period. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I wish I was better um, at doing buddy reads, but I don't think I've ever, only ever, I think once successfully completed a buddy read on schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, better, do you? I think it's the look- pressure. <laughs> yeah, that's pressure. Uh, Leslie from the Nerd and Narrative is here. I was going to read the novella next month and the book in December, but I switched them after you said that, George. So, see the power you have, George. This is unreal. <laughs> 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 Casual comment, but uh, people's plans are all thrown up in the air. It still blows my mind that people <laughs> listen to what I have to say. <laughs> so, but what's been uh. So before, uh, the time always flies in these, but uh, before we go, I just wanted to see what everyone's currently reading now. Uh, Shauna, what are you reading now? What's what's on your, what's uh, what book in the middle of? I am currently reading Blood Eye um, hmm. by Giles Christian, which is a, a Viking oh. series. Um, so I am reading that. Um, and I am also reading, I'm beta reading for a friend. Um, so I'm reading his novel, um, which is brilliant. And what else am I reading? And then so once so once I finish those two, Howling Dark is is next up. Um, as I said, I'm trying to commit to kind of getting through the the series as I've started now. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but the uh, Blood Eye is a historical fiction actually, but not it's not fantasy, um, which is good. I think I've, I've read a, a lot of fantasy books in a row. And I think sometimes it's nice then to, to switch genre a little bit and kind of keep it fresh. Yeah. And Leslie is reading uh, your book next month, Shauna. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie, let me know when you, when you plan to read that. Maybe we can work something out. And uh, Jordan, what, uh, what are you currently reading? Uh, currently, I'm reading The Seventh Cadence by Jim Wilborn. Uh, reading the arc of Blood Reunion, which is book three in uh, Hybrid Helix by J.C.M. Byrne um, that I just did that cover reveal for. And I just started on audio the underwhelming epic of a dead wizard and an average bard. 
<laughs> it's a mouthful of a title. Struggle to remember it, but we'll say it's made me laugh in the first like 20 minutes of listening to it. So nice. looking forward to it. But yeah, Hybrid Helix is probably my top series of the year. Like came out of left field, like accepted a copy from the author, like Wistful Ascending. Like you'll look at it and be like, oh, it's like, it's I don't like know. <laughs> <laughs> like I got to read that, but it is, it's in my top five books of the year. So wow. for for reads, if you like superheroes and you like sci- science fiction, then then you'll really like that one. Hmm. Nice. What about you, Chris? What are you reading? Uh, I'm reading Sabrina Burn Book for the Expanse at the moment. I um I've started on the drive in Orbit of Science set by T. A. Bruno was my other book in the car, um, and uh, I'm due to start Rathbringer, Christopher G. Browning's second book in, in the Hellbrunching Saga as well. So that's kind of what's in the in the sphere at the moment. Yeah, yeah. The In the Orbit of Sirens is a fantastic audiobook as well. Yeah, I've seen Esme's uh, review of it earlier on, and yeah, just had to, I started it earlier on just to, to, to keep us upright. You know? so. Yeah, yellow jumpsuit for the way. Yellow and purple. <laughs> you know, at a certain point, people scratch their heads about that cover, but it's so iconic now. You know, you definitely mm-hmm. could change it. No, no. Yeah. You got to stick with it now. But cool. I want to thank everyone for uh, hanging out tonight. And uh, Shauna, can you tell us where people can get in touch with you? Oh, yes. Um, Well, I have a website, um, but probably Twitter is the best place. Um, If you'd sort of uh, write to me or um, kind of tag me in, um, you can find me there. Um, I'm in some Discord groups as well, um, but I suppose they're harder to find. So Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> what about you, George? When when can we expect your uh, booktube channel to start? Where... Um, shooting for end of the year, beginning of next year. Nice. Is is the overall plan? But till then, you can find me on Twitter at George Bucks or in the India Chords Discord. Nice. And Chris, where can people locate you? Yeah, you can find me on YouTube at Chris Mullen or on Twitter at 7 o'clock shadow. And I'm going to keep on bugging Jordan until he takes the plunge. <laughs> <laughs> There's several of you. There's several of you. I get <laughs> I get like a message a day saying, when are you starting? <laughs> you, you and Esme so, could, do, could do a launch together because we're bugging the both of you. So it'll be good. Uh, it's true. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you ping, I think you ping both of us almost weekly. Like... <laughs> These things are important to me. I, I don't know what to say. I want to thank all of you for, for hanging out and spending your time. Shauna, thanks for staying up late with us. I know it's getting late for you. Oh, no, it's no, no, no bother. As I said, I'm a night owl and the kids are all in bed. So this is um, relaxation time for me. Nice. And I've got to spend a couple of hours talking about books and fantasy TV shows and they're all my favorite things to talk about. So um, thank you for asking me to come on. Yeah. Anytime. Uh, any open, open invite. So any one of you just whenever, okay. whenever, uh, whenever you're available. So cool. Well, thanks everybody, everyone in the chat. Thanks for hanging out with us and uh, throwing us questions and comments. It's always great when people uh, are around to interact and as to the, uh, as to the, as to the fun. So but cool. hope everyone has a great weekend. See everybody yep. soon. See you. Okay.